0: A very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Growing Dentist podcast show. Today, I'm super excited because we're going to be talking about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I don't believe in playing the game the same old way and expecting that things are going to be different. We, I know that we are in a time where change is getting faster and faster, and the world is changing rapidly, and dentistry is uh, no exception to this uh, change. So I have somebody I'm super excited to introduce to you. I'm sure you already know him, Dr. Steven Rasner. He's the founder of um, a very, very, very successful dental practice, and um, he has been growing his revenues for 28 years, in a, 28 years, plus, um, he's a world-renowned speaker. I'm sure you have heard him speak uh, at, a, at a meeting or at an event that you have already attended. Dr. Razner, welcome to the Growing Dentist podcast show. Thank you so
0: much, sir. I appreciate to be here. And uh, whenever I hear those kind of introductions, I'm just a guy from a little tiny area in New Jersey, and it overwhelms me. I feel like you're talking about somebody else, to be honest, but thank you.
1: You know, one of the attributes of amazingly successful people is their humility. So, you know, um, you know, they always feel like there's more for them to learn, there's more for them to figure out, and that humility is what keeps them going. Uh, so, I do appreciate you taking the time. I know you are super, super busy. Uh, for for those of us who are perhaps hearing for the you for the first mm-hmm. time, I'm sure there's not too many of them. Can you tell your own story? Who are you? How did you get into dentistry, and and where are you today?
0: Well, thank you, Naren. Uh, this part of my story I love to tell because I know that it might resonate with a lot of my f- friends and colleagues out there that are listening, if you don't know it. So my journey started in 1980. I went, uh, 1976. I mean, I went to the University of Pennsylvania Dental School, which at that time was extremely highly ranked. I remember hearing that, um, they could have filled every single position with somebody would. uh, perfect 4.0 grade average from the school, which means straight A's. And I remember, you know, I went there, I went to Rutgers College undergraduate and I get to Penn. And I, by the way, I was a psychology major who just took the science uh, minimal requirements in case I wanted to go to dental or medical school, hoping I might get in. And that's what happened. I decided I'd go to dental school. I applied. So I had not had histology, physiology, and all the other accessory sciences, I just had the minimum requirements to apply, and I got my socks blown off. These guys were so friggin' smart that I was hanging by a thread for the first two years, as you all remember, that's when we did the didactic stuff. When I got to the clinic, I was pretty strong, but by that time, my grades were so average that I was in the bottom of my class, and that's how I graduated. I couldn't catch up, and so, Nobody was out there extending me invitations to go to Boston or Harvard or New York, Columbia post-grad programs, because, you know, the top 10% get those and I was the bottom 10%. So without any other options, I went back to my hometown. The hometown is in Southern New Jersey called Bridgeton. That's where I was born. And in the eight years I had been out in college and dental school, my town changed dramatically, because the major employer closed. And, you know, I mean, major employer, I'm talking about employing 20% of the town, it was a glass factory called Owens, Illinois, this is everything I tell you is exactly the truth, because otherwise, I have no credibility. And I don't have to, the story is even amazing to me. So I don't have to exaggerate anything. And so My father was a mom and pop dentist in that town. Mom and pop, meaning he was good, but, you know, compared to today's technology and stuff. And even back then, he didn't do anything extraordinary and he had a small practice. I think it was doing, I don't know, 80 or a hundred thousand dollars a year back in 1980. So I went to work with him. And by the way, I didn't know him very well because I grew up with my mother. So this was all new stuff and it's not where I wanted to be. I didn't want to go back to my hometown. I wanted to, you know, I had been in Philadelphia for four years and, you know, going back to the Southern kind of behind the times town is not what was my top priority. And because I didn't do very well in school, my whatever self-esteem I had as a doctor, or as, a, as a, a person that exceeds, was not in a very good place. And this is relevant to what I'm gonna tell you. So then what I did is I realized very early on, so I'm, you got a picture, I'm back in this town that's backwards, had good people there, but you know, it certainly wasn't moving into an up and coming suburb of New York or Beverly Hills or Chicago. I was in this little town where people were not moving to for any good reasons and I decided, that I really needed to change my game. And I started taking CE, continued education. That became the staple of my life. I mean, I would sit down and write out a curriculum as if it was my own post-grad curriculum. It's literally what I did. And I would, I would divide it into, well, I'll do some restorative. That'll be one section. So I ended up going, for example, and a lot of this is gonna resonate with you guys, To Frank Spears' office. Um, Well, I didn't do that in 1980, but as the 80s became the early 90s, I went to Frank Spears um, from Philadelphia, I believe, 22 times. And, you know, when I say Frank Spears, I mean John Coy's as well, because they were once partners, just to give you an idea of my restorative training. And then I took, you know, uh, everything Pete Dawson had to offer. And, Just on and on and on. I would take one course at least every three months, and I would take, in addition to that, one curriculum, I mean, continuum, an ongoing course that met for six months or a year. And the thing about doing that is that you meet like-minded people. And so that's what would happen. I would go out and meet these crazy talented guys that were taking spear courses out in Seattle, Washington, and then they would tell me about well, you got to go down and see Dawson down in Florida and one led to the other, and then it ended up um, with a lot of surgical emphasis and and i I want in the last I would say uh oh, I don't know twenty years of my practice that's where a lot of my emphasis went after taking all the other things and so I had this practice in this little quiet town of southern New Jersey that was doing a million a year in no time. When I I don't remember exactly, but I started in 1980. I'm pretty sure by the mid eighties, I was doing a million a year. And it advanced, and then you have to understand something else. Things were happening to me, just like they will to you, just by in, uh, involving myself in so, around so many quality clinicians and learning so many things. And those things that were happening to me is it made me realize I needed a certain staff, and I wasn't willing to be an average or low fee person dentist anymore. My self esteem as a doctor and my skill set was changing, and everything changed. My I became the guy that you're going to pay a lot for, but his skills are you know extraordinary, and I and the equipment that I needed from the lighting in my ceiling. <laughs> to the type of provisional materials I used, and everything was changing. It wasn't just my skill set, it was my view on how things could be. And then what happened is that people found me. I didn't have any thinking in 1980 or even in 1990 uh, about... um, Ever being, I wasn't doing this so I was thinking, oh, one day I'm going to be a speaker and I can capitalize on that or anything like that. I remember thinking, because if you remember in the early 90s, I'm pretty sure Michael Jordan was the stud he became, right, in the NBA. And I remember thinking, and you got to remember, there was no real social media presence back then. There was no internet, no no chat rooms of dentists and um, dental towns or other things going on. So there was no desire for me to, or even thinking about it. I just wanted to be the Michael Jordan of dentistry. Whether that would ever happen or not, I didn't care. I just, another way of saying it is I wanted to be the best I could possibly be. And I know that sounds like a mundane, oh my God, I've heard this before. And, you know, and since I've never been on your podcast before, and I might regret saying this, I'm going to share something really special that I rarely, rarely share. And I don't know if I'm going to regret it. But saying where I'm at today, I I feel pretty confident. So not only was I on that tail end, the backside of my class, I wasn't ranked very high. Not only was I going to this town that nobody would choose. Listen, I don't like bad mouthing the town I'm from, Uh, but I'm just telling you the truth. It's not a town any of you would have chosen to open up a practice in or even join your father, because it wasn't like my father. I'm sure in 1980, there was entrepreneurial dentists that had big businesses. That's not what I entered. I entered a mom and pop convenience store, so to speak. He had a good name and all that stuff, but I wasn't walking into you know, the best possible situation. Well, guess what? Four years into being a dentist, or actually three years, um, I lost my license because it's a long, long story, and I'm not going to get into it in this one session, but it was the worst possible thing you could do. I got involved with using drugs, cocaine, and I regret it. Nobody put a gun to my head and made me do it, and I never used it at work or anything like that. And I mean that. It, was a, it doesn't matter. It was a weekend thing. What was worse was that the people that I bought it from were dentists it's a big, it was a big story in the United States back then. And trust me, 30 some years later, me bringing it up can only have one reason for me to bring it up. And that's to tell any of you out there who are at the wrong place right now, you're not where you want to be. Maybe you're in a a bad associateship. Maybe you're in, I don't know what you're in, but you don't, you're not where you want to be. And you feel hopeless and like, oh my God, I picked the wrong profession. And oh, I spent eight years training for this, and now what am I going to do? Well, the guy's speaking to you today, and I haven't shared this very often. I used to back then when it first happened, but I not only lost my license, I got um, uh, not suspended. I got uh, whatever, I can't think of the word, uh, forever. I got, uh, they were never going to give my license back because the story that I was tied to, even though they knew I wasn't involved in it, in terms of making money or that kind of a thing. It didn't matter to them. It was, you know, a very bad story. It was in the newspaper, for goodness sakes, the story. When I say the story, it wasn't just me. It was on Good Morning America. It was coast to coast. It was that bad of a story. And there's even books about it, and even <laughs> um, television uh, documentaries, not again about me, but just that I'm tied to that, um, thing was, and and imagine this in a local uh, town, I mean, a small town of 35,000 people, and I'm a young dentist and I'm just starting to take some courses and bam, I lose my license. And look, I don't, I'm surprised I'm even, sh- yep.
1: Yeah, I wanna, I wanna pass to so many things you have said so far because I think our listeners are trying to learn, right? Yeah. And um, unfortunately, there's no school that teaches you how to be successful in life. I mean, I wish there was, but unfortunately, there is none other than life itself. But the people who succeed, I've been a fan of studying people who really make something of themselves, you know, whether it's great entrepreneurs or people like yourself, the people who succeed, there are certain tendencies, there are certain patterns you notice. And the couple of things I noticed, and I just want to point it out to all Sure, sure. Uh, first one is psychology. You said you minored or you, you studied psychology. And I think the world we live in today, psychology is so important. Because at the end of the day, we as a society have more than we, ever, ever, we have ever had, right? I mean, now we we want those extra things, not the must have things, but the things, the extra things, right? So yeah. how people feel, how they perceive things, um, you know, what makes them feel important, these are all important. So I think I want to point out that psychology background you had just right from the early days was interesting. The second thing that really, really, really jumped out to me, and I want you to comment on it, is we are taught from the time we are children, failure is a bad thing. Don't get an F, don't get a D, don't get an E, right? But if you look at the most successful people, whether it's Steve Jobs, they all failed and failed and failed. It's not the fact that they fail that define them. It's just really what did they do with that failure? What did they do with that setback? How did they bounce back? What did they learn from it, right? How did they grow from it? And I see this pattern again and again. People who do unbelievable things, failure becomes their friend. They talk about it. I mean, you're talking about, you know, something that probably embarrassed you. a lot. embarrasses me today. Exactly. And you're openly talking about it, you know, like, so there's two parts, two points I want to make. One is, you know, like, I think failure has to become a best friend. I think failure should be the best word in the dictionary because you don't learn anything in life. um, When things are going right, you learn things in life and you become somebody when things are going wrong, right? Another, Another example is challenge, right? You took, you went to this place that was not doing well. I mean, the factory shut down, even today you have 25% unemployment. I mean, it's a bad town and you make millions of dollars and you are the one of the most expensive dentists in the area. So people say, Oh no, no, it won't work. Right. I mean, like most people assume challenges are bad, but you know, you, you made it into an opportunity. The other thing I noticed with a lot of successful people is they continue to grow. They don't stop. I mean, like, like, you just love learning. I mean, even as a kid, we went to peers, you went to all these people. I mean, nobody made you do it. I mean, there was no ROI for you to do it. Right. There's no, you know, like, but just, you just love learning. You just love growing. And that's something I keep seeing again and again, people who do unbelievable things, they will grow for the sake of growing. They love it. They just something that they, you can't stop them from doing. Would you like to comment on these attributes sure. you seem sure. to have that a lot of but, other very successful people have?
0: Well, listen, first of all, I want the audience to know that I had no intention of going in this direction. I'm just an honest person. And when I think of, I mean, I hope to give more than just one podcast with Naron and this group, the growing dentist, but it just came to me, you know, people were listening today and you asked me and not everybody when I do a podcast asks me my background and it's, it's almost dishonest for me to not bring it up you know because you know it helps somebody out there because somebody may be in a situation it it could be you talk about failure learning from failure somebody right now is trying to hang on to a practice that may or may not make it you know you opened up in an area and you're just not doing what you thought you would do and i can't tell you which way it's going to go i can tell you that it'll go the way it's meant to go and as you said the most important thing of all you know, the very first big lecture I ever did was in front of my very first lecture was in front of um, 1,800 people in Destin, Florida, under Woody Oaks, who's a profitable dentist back yes. then. And the opening speaker, I was the second speaker of an of that conference. And the opening speaker, I can't think of his name, but he wrote a book called "It's Not What Happens to You, It's What You Do About It." And I, you know, it's exactly what you're saying, Aaron. And it's exactly what I'm telling you. You can imagine going back to what I just described and it's terribly embarrassing because that wasn't my life, by the way. I'm not going to take up any more time than I need to with it. It wasn't like my life was doing drugs and when I think back that I would do whatever I did, it's why would I do that? I'm thinking it just was the perfect storm for me to screw up. Maybe it's because I never thought I had enough inside me to be a dentist and never make, maybe it's because I never thought you know, I would graduate an Ivy League school with such smart colleagues around me, and when I finally did because that all happened afterwards, you know I had it in my back pocket, I was going to graduate I knew it at the, even though i didn 't you know it was not first in my class i was I knew at the end I was going to graduate, and unfortunately, I met a group that I allowed to influence me, and that that story was that story. But what I want to say to you is at the lowest part of my existence, I don't know, in 1983 or four, whatever it was, when I had, oh, I know, I got revoked, not not suspended. That was for life. Uh, you know, I. Re- nobody's around you at that time. I mean, other than your family, you're very, very alone. Um, you know, I realize that was self-induced, that failure and that challenge. Nobody calls that but me, but I still had it in my life. And I'm a 30 year old guy at that point with a nine month, when it all came to its head, when I got in trouble, and then I had a nine, my wife was nine months pregnant. Okay. And nobody's going to pick up the phone and rush to your aid. I mean, it is you. You're alone. And you got to deep, reach down deep inside and realize in most, most cases, nobody's here coming to rescue you. Not a lottery ticket, not some stranger.
1: You are by yourself
0: and you have to decide how bad you want it in life. And I'll tell you, that was my psychology. I mean, along with prayer and realizing I'd been a good person my whole life, I, I really believed I am. And this wasn't just finally catching up on me. It, it's more of an aberration of my life that I went off track. And that's why I don't like sharing it. I used to share it in the, at the end of all my lectures. And I stopped about 20 years ago. Because I didn't want it to be my staple. That's not only the reason I turned it around. And, you know, incidentally for the audience, I've been speaking now for 20, I guess uh, since 1998, 20 years. And I've given, I don't know how many presentations, 250, 300, and almost every state in America except four, like North Dakota or a couple places, like, um, Rhode Island, maybe. I've been in five countries and I've gotten a lot of, Positive, positive feedback—not on this story, on what it takes to be successful in dentistry today. Because I made a lot of other mistakes, you know, that just took me to realize. Um, let me give you one example. I hope this ties in, and you know, we're going to have to do way more than just one talk together. But yeah, you know, some sometimes my my office is soaring, right? Like yours, the people listening. I mean, we're killing it, and then out of nowhere. We'll hit, a, we'll hit a rut because every business does that. You know, and maybe the uh, collections and, and new cases is just really down. And maybe, and, I'm, and so I have some free time. I'm not as maxed in my schedule. Um, and when I say maxed in my schedule, as your audience is gonna learn, in my office, I only see four or five core patients tops per day, because you're gonna hear me get into the talk of the necessary triad for success I believe, in 2018 going forward, I mean, there's a lot of skills you can hone, correct? You can hone the skill of becoming masterful at molar root canal, which I I endorse. I think that's important. Um, Or occlusion or whatever. I'm going to give you the triad that you're going to hear me speak about in in this or future talks with my friend, and that is oral sedation. And don't poo-poo it till you hear my cocktail, because I have the most powerful cocktail in the industry. And I don't know why everybody's not using it. Anybody that has will echo what I tell you, that they take these three medicines together and 90 minutes later, your patient is safely snoring in your chair. Um, And that is different than giving them Valium. And it's different than any other combination you can give them. And I didn't invent it. Somebody turned it on to me 20 years ago. Um, But if you're going to know how to do oral sedation, guess what else you have to know? You have to know how to take teeth out because these people, because it doesn't make sense for you to have a patient buy into your practice because you're going to orally sedate them and then send them out to have extractions. You have to do it. Not third molars, but any other extraction. And if you know how to do extractions, guess what else you have to know? You may also learn how to do implants and bone grafting and everything goes with it. And I will tell you that that triad of skill set will set you up like it set me up for independence, no matter who is around you. I'm surrounded by low fee offices. I'm surrounded by, you know, the ads that you probably have in Canada where you can go and get them. You know, my patients in my chair paying 1600 plus for a crown, uh, which I absolutely think should be that or more because it's value connected to that, that I could get into later on. And there's somebody on the TV telling them they can come in and have a crown for $4.95 right on my TV in the operatory while they're in my chair. That's what I'm surrounded by. Yet I've had 29, not 28, I had 29 consecutive years. So 1980 to 2008, my office went up in gross production and revenues. Not by seeing more patients, by doing comprehensive treatment planning, which I'm going to share in future uh, conferences here or discussions. And I also increase my net, so who cares if your revenues go up, if your net goes down? So, cause isn't the goal at the end of the day, my audience, ladies and gentlemen, isn't the goal of everything, listening to this this audio right now, or every other one you listen to with Naren, is to be happy. You think it might be to learn how to do molar root canal, or learn how to do sedation or extractions. It's really to be happy. And how do you be happy? You work in a profession, like, let's be real here. I, I still work full time. I do what you do. So you need to know that it means I'm in touch with what happens to you. I'm in touch with patients that can be capricious or fickle and are losing a great staff member because she's moving or whatever the reasons are. And, you know, going to a place four days a week or whatever it is, and not running around like a chicken without your head and trying to make a living, uh, doing single crowns sandwiched into a malocclusion dentition. That's not the blueprint I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a blueprint where from the very first phone call, and there's just so much to talk about, like creating that cheers practice. When I say cheers, I mean a, that, that sitcom from Boston where everybody knew their name. That's why I use that as an analogy. You know, I'm talking about the second they take a chance and call your office. What are they hearing? Because I have systems for everything. What are they listening to? Then what are they stepping into? Because most of my patients are going out of network if I'm a fee-for-service dentist. Well, you know what that means? It means they're gonna pay more to come to me. Even in that area of New Jersey I keep describing for you, I've embraced that model for 37, no, I wouldn't say 37 years, that's how long I've been a dentist. I say for 35 years. That's the model. Be different. Give them value. And there's a lot that goes into those words. And I realize there's always so much you can cover in one day. But let me take a break for my voice and see what you have anything you want to ask me at this point.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of points um, I wanted to talk about, which I think stood out for me. Um, success is a byproduct of serving others. And you kept talking about. You know other people and you know being the best you can be, you never really talked about me, 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 um, like even you know going back to this community that was devastated. I mean if, if it was about you, you could have gone somewhere else and you know settled wherever you wanted right so I, I felt a lot of people mistake success as me, me me it's not it's the opposite of me 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 it's it's really about making difference making a difference for others and and when when you do. Even when there's a commercial running for saying, you know, 495 for crowns, people would still pay you $1,600 because yeah. it's about them. It's about what's best for them and they get it. Um, so I felt uh, that's a key point you made. The next thing I want to talk about is you're absolutely right. Uh, life is about, I mean, if, if you ask every human being, what do you want? They want more happiness, right? And uh, the, famously, the Declaration of Independence talked about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But sure. this is the problem that we as humans have. It's like um, Horizon. We, so let's say you're running a $100,000 practice. Yeah. Uh, you know. Now you're doing a half a million, but now you want a million. So Horizon keeps moving forward. And most of us look at the gap, what we are missing. And we get down and dejected. And when you're in a bad mood, good ideas don't come. You blame somebody. You, you justify things. You explain things. Sure. So true. But the people who are successful, they're not looking, they're not pursuing happiness. They're trying to enhance happiness. They're trying to realize that they're lucky. I mean, think about it. Every dentist in this country is lucky. They are in the top 5% of the population. You know, there's so many people who can't, you know, who don't have, you know, who are just living paycheck to paycheck. Right. So you're already lucky. Of course, Many of you are struggling because you don't have the right map. I mean, I think the number one reason people fail, and I want to get into this, is because they have the wrong map. You're in New York. You have a map of Geneva. You're going to get lost, you know. And uh, even the theme of your book, right, about, you know, how to create extraordinary success, um, you know, the topic that we were going to talk about, um, it it really hones in the point. The world is changing. So you need the right map so you can navigate the right world. Uh, that we live in today, um, to create that extraordinary success. So I think, I mean, in the series of talks we can do together, I really think we should get into some of these topics about, you know, what is the wrong map that's, you know, tripping people up? You know, um, why, why are they kind of failing, you know? And, and, and what happened in your life and in your lessons where you figured out a different map? Um, you know, both at a tactical level, meaning on a day-to-day, how do I work in my practice? How do I sure. be, be a better business owner? But even life itself. So I felt yes. you made some really good points, doc- doctor.
0: Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. And again, I'm a little, even as I'm sitting here talking to you right now, I'm taken back a little bit myself at myself for, you know, I'm a little mixed of sharing what I shared. I, 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 I'm, I'm, it's out there and I'm fine with it. You know, I obviously got my license back. And I will tell you, and you know this, Naren, is true, that one other thing about successful people is that you just never give up. And you don't have time to feel sorry for yourself, because I would feel sorry for myself if that changed things, if that helped me. But, you know, it didn't. So I never gave up. You know, when the Board of Dentistry of New Jersey hung up on me after not having a license for a year and a half, and I tried to appeal, you know what I did? I got in my car and I drove there. That's the truth. That's an absolute true story that, and I lived two hours from there. And I had a uh, (laughs) screaming three month old with my wife in in the car. And we, I said, get yourselves ready. We're going to drive up there. I'm not going to do this by phone anymore. Maybe they'll let me, I was just trying to get on the dock on the, on the board's um, calendar to hear my appeal. That's all I was trying to do. I wasn't, they weren't gonna give me my license back over the phone. And, you know, the long story short, the other side of it is I kept pursuing. I told the truth. I swore that they would never hear from me in a negative way again. And I, and I it, it resonated with some of them, all of them actually, and they unanimously, like, like out of a Walt Disney movie, raised their hands um, and voted me back in right on the spot Uh, About 18 months after I lost it and I never looked back to that part of my life and I honored what I told him to do that you know I obviously never thought about anything that would harm me or my family again and I was you know the, the, the good side of that story is here we are today and a guy that used to for a year and a half take courses with sunglasses on and sit in the back of the room so no colleague would recognize me that is the I'm almost in tears as I'm telling you that story, thinking about those days. I've long left them behind, trust me. And now I'm the guy that gets up in front of people and tells you, no matter what's going on, one version, that's my version, of how you can be successful today. And I I have really good information from the verbiage you need to key things that we all need about like, what courses should you take and when should you take them? And and not going out and buying every gadget that comes on the market. That's not the way you fix your practice first. You, f- you get those gadgets when you can afford those gadgets. And important early information for young guys, I have information for the, in my opinion, the 70-year-old guy as well, but, you know, keeping your credit scores high and your credit card debt low <laughs> All that makes a difference because nobody thinks about that because what most dentists do is, and you know this is true, right. is a new gadget comes around that that may be a great gadget and it costs $180,000 and all you do is figure out, Does that? what's my monthly on that? Is that going to fit in my monthly budget? You don't even think about the interest rate you're paying because your credit scores might be too high because you might be spending too much early on your life like on boats and cars, and I know that's not sexy to tell you, but I'm not here to be sexy. I'm here to tell you the truth that'll help you, and I made all those mistakes, by the way, and um, part of me is a little lucky that I, I got real good chair side skills, and you know, you should know, and, I, and that I, one of the first things I did when I had my license back in the next three days, I called every single patient I had left, and that was a lot of patients, and I told them. You can ask me anything they want, but I, you know, they know that as their dentist, for the three years I was a dentist, I certainly was uh, in a normal state of mind, and I, the care I did for them um, was something I'm still proud of, and I'm sure they didn't have any unusual problems with the care I delivered, and that I would appreciate their loyalty. I It was very, very humbling, and then I owned the problem, and I moved on and then I never had to look back again. And then my reputation for the last, I mean, 25 or 30 years has been based around running an organization that delivers two products that you need to deliver, no matter, you don't need a story, thank God, like I had to overcome. There's much better ways to get to the top than go through that. I only shared it for those of you that might be struggling. But the two things you have to focus on, and there's only two, Their heart is delivering a product, in our case, that's dental care, that's palpably different to this patient than other things they've been used to. You know, a lot of your brethren, your brothers and sisters in dentistry are not listening to a podcast right now. There's a big population of dentists in America. I think there's 198,000. It's silly to think that everybody has the same fervor and passion that those of you that may be listening to this podcast right now. And so you have an advantage. And one of the advantages you have in dentistry is that we're not physicians. We're not primary care physicians. Who, that primary care physician who's struggling right now, somewhere in America, can't take a continuum in plastic surgery and add that to his realm of services. If he wants to do that, he has to go back into med school. You as a dentist don't have to do that. So that means the only, which is a beautiful advantage that all of us don't really think about. So the only thing getting in your way, think about it for a minute, of becoming this amazing, excellent dentist is you. And you have to be willing to devote the time and the money, and that, and that money I would borrow to make myself better. So the two things you need is number one, your product. Our product is dental care. Number two, um, making people that come to you feel value. And that is a team effort. That's an effort by you to work on your social skills, to work on your verbal skills, to not, you know, it's not beyond me to, to compliment a patient, whether it's a guy or a woman, if they look great today, you know, and just, I'm a pause. I think it's pretty clear in my clinical life that I'm a positive person and my role is to make the oral health as is, is, uh, high as we can make it. And that people that come to me with teeth, unless they're hopeless at that point, are gonna have those teeth, not only in their 40s and 50s, but in their 80s and 90s. Because part of my responsibility to my patients, and I really, really mean this, and you should embrace it as well as my opinion, is to educate your patients. Because a lot of people will ask the question, You know, what makes your your work successful? And the answer, part of the truth is enduring work that lasts a long time, correct? Whether it's implants or crown and bridge. Well, what's the best thing you could do to make your work a long time? Make sure your patients understand coming in regularly. That's not a shtick because we want the business for recall. That's the truth. So taking that time, and we'll go into all this later, at those initial visits, to identify and establish what your practice is—that you're not a fillum drill 'em, bellum dentist. You're not that guy. You have dedicated your life to being the best you could be with educating uh, patients um, on the care you're going to deliver, and they got to be partners in this thing. Because you know why? If you have an insurance-driven practice where people don't have to reach into their pocket for much. And I don't know how you can be an insurance-driven practice, whether you're in the United States or Canada, because that's not how you do good care, and you know that. You do good care by comprehensive examinations that look at five factors that we'll go into at another podcast, and that's just the truth. Just briefly, it's the health of their gums, all their teeth, their occlusion, their missing teeth. Does Does that have a role in what this patient's at right now? You know for example, if they have a, a crown that keeps coming out or fillings that keep coming out and they have a posterior collapsed occlusion because they have missing teeth, guess what that is going to be significant in that patient's future but if they have all their teeth and the reason they came to you today was a broken off crown a premolar with a history of a root canal and it's broken out to gingiva well I'm not you know, I may not be over, uh, overly concerned with that particular patient's occlusion unless they have wear facets and things that dictate that. So, you know, what I'm saying is I will look at five things, you know, the health of their periodontium, all their teeth. You know, if you fix things early, it costs your patients less money and time. And they all want that. And it is the truth. So that's why you do – you can't walk into a room in 2018 and say to a patient, or on the phone. We're going to provide you a panky type of comprehensive examination. There's got to be a shtick, pardon the words, there's got to be a story other than saying that, because that scares most patients. It sounds expensive. What you got to do is talk from your heart because you believe in it and say, I'm going to look at all your teeth today, you know, and I'm going to take whatever x-rays are needed for this examination. they're, they know that before they even walk into my office. And we, now we don't say it exactly like that. It's said in a, a customer, quote, patient-friendly verbiage. And, and you know why I do that real quickly, Naren, is because I've, I've made all the other mistakes. I've had my hygienist come into me into my other room and say, the new patient won't let me take any x-rays. And he won't let me look at, do an examination. He just wants his tooth out. Well, that's not the practice I want to be a part of. And I know some people would advocate, well, fix their emergency first and get them back. I don't believe that works long term. I haven't followed that forever. You know, I think they know, they should know coming in where they're coming into. And it doesn't mean they're going to accept my, my recommendations or, or they can afford them. And the last thing I'm going to say, and I know I've been very verbose in the last few minutes, is this. I walk into every room and I tell my patients this and there's, you need to know that there's an order and we'll talk about the order of when I say what and what's said over the telephone at the very first time they call and what that environment needs to be when they first set foot in your office. And it doesn't need to be waterfalls in your waiting room, by the way, it just needs to be clean, homey, and calm looking and sounding. But I walk into every room and I would and tell my patient, I'm gonna try to solve whatever is wrong with the least invasive, most conservative approach I can take for you, as long as that approach will work for you. And if it doesn't, what I'm not gonna allow you to do is throw good money after bad. I'm not gonna give you a half-right plan just because I want your business, you know? And an example of that is a patient with a lower atrophic mandible that wants you to make them a new denture because they went to the clinic down the street and the new denture they had made doesn't work, I'm not gonna be that guy. I'm gonna talk to that patient. Well, the denture they made you may not be the best or maybe the best, it doesn't matter. You don't have any bone anymore. And there's an answer for that. That's what you should be happy about in 2018. There's an answer for that that didn't exist in 1980 and it's called implants. And if you let me explain it to you, at least you'll have the knowledge. I'll pause there.
1: Right. You know, the other thing I noticed about successful people, doctor, is they they work on certain principles. You know, people call them values sometimes. You know, like doing the best you can, doing, playing your A game, putting yourself and being the patient and doing what you would do to the patient that you would do to your own family, your loved ones. Sure. You know, I find a lot of the people who create extraordinary success um, are principled people. They, they believe in something and, and, and they go, go about just getting better at the things they believe in and, and upping their game and learning and growing and you know, applying those principles to their daily lives. Um, and uh, so it, it so doesn't matter what happens in the world. You know, like I know you talked about your business group for 28 straight years. Up till two thousand and eight and then after the economy it took you what three years to recover, is that correct? It's correct. And then it has been growing ever since. So unless crazy things happen, you know, this idea of improving, growing, serving others, um, you know, learning from failure, and you mentioned stick to witness, right? It's um, yeah. you know, never giving up, you know, just having that will, the desire. And the other thing you don't have, but a lot of unsuccessful people have. Is they always have a because? Oh, my business sucks because my marketing company's fault, my the economy's fault, my patient's fault. It's somebody else's fault. And there's always a because. People like yourself, you never say because. Right. You know what I mean? You. you I don't you, have time for because. <laughs> exactly. Like I mean, there's no. I mean, and this is why most people unfortunately, you know, live paycheck to paycheck and struggle because they say because. You know? <laughs> and yeah. uh, and you, you you don't like, I mean, even when your license was suspended, you did not say because and justify yourself and explain things and, you know, take no- I promises. sold
0: vacuum cleaners to keep a roof over my head. I, I actually did. I sold vacuum cleaners out of my house. I bought them used, I fixed them up, I put them in the paper. I sold puppies, I did whatever I could, and I kept appealing and appealing to the board till they couldn't take it anymore, and they had to hear me, in mm-hmm. fact, driving up there. And yeah, you don't have to be in that predicament, thank God. You, but you also just, you, you're right. I mean, being a dentist is a privilege, and it's an advantage. You guys aren't, you didn't get that degree by accident. It's, it's a big accomplishment to get. And you should take advantage of it. You can have any kind of practice you want. You don't have to do $4 million a year like me. I mean, you, success is really, if you think about it, it's working when you want to work and not working when you don't want to work because you can afford to, you know, because you're not in debt on, over your head and, and nobody wants to go to work. You know how you feel about your profession and your, your state of being right now by how you feel on Sunday night or Monday morning. When, you know, if you're going in, and I have, by the way, dreading it, thinking, oh, my God, what's going to go wrong today? And this, and that, then fix it. And I'll talk about the meetings for you to have to, that are relevant, you know, the, the morning meeting and the monthly meeting. And it's really not monthly, by the way. You really, if you're not at a place you want to be, you might have to be willing to put down your drill and meet every two weeks with not necessarily the whole staff, But the key players in the positions in your office, you got to be willing to take the shot, to take a chance. Because I got one one bit of sober news for you. You're gonna. I'm 63 right now, and in my head, I swear to you, I swear, and I'm sure my colleagues feel the same. I don't know how that happened. I don't. You know, my colleague. A lot of my colleagues are retiring. It feels like I just got out of dental school. I don't know how I got to 63. I'm embracing it, and I realize I don't want to be in regret till I'm, and, oh my God, now I'm 70. But it's going to go fast, is my point. And you've got to do something about your life right now. And if you're a dentist listening, I can't be the only guy on this podcast or on this audience of this podcast that can accomplish what I did. I, I assure you, you have the talent that I have. And maybe there's other things we have to work on, uh, verbal skills and organization. I think you just need a roadmap of somebody that's done it to follow. And then I'm more than willing to give it to you. Am I allowed to give them my contact information? Uh, Absolutely,
1: Marin? doctor. I mm-hmm. would love for them to get to know you and talk to you and ask you questions. So I want to get a hold of you, doctor. I know I want to also tell everyone that you know both you and I talked about doing more of these because I think what you have to offer is so valuable. And I would love our listeners to benefit from this. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Yeah. yeah. I first want to tell you that I've never really done a
0: podcast quite like this. And I respect you immensely. In that, um, you know, I basically, I understand. I just gave you an overview of things. And it wasn't on purpose, but we got into conversations I didn't expect to get into. And I think they're helpful. Maybe not to every one of you. I know a lot of you probably want specifics. And I I intend to come back more than once and talk to you about what I call the art of the clothes. I mean, what is it I do exactly? I mean, the verbiage from the phone call to the moment I walk into the room to brushing my teeth and making sure I don't have any impression material on my chin when I walk into a new operatory to meet a new patient. What are the words I use? I'm not a salesy guy. I'll tell you this right now. I'm not going to trick patients into doing things they don't want to do. And it's a very good way to, to exist because nobody would ever be able to say in my practice, oh, they pressured me into, never am I doing that. I mean, I give the same approach over and over and it works or it doesn't work, but it is comprehensive. And we need to go into every step of that. We need to go into the steps of what will make your practice a relationship Based practice. I mean, what do you really need to do? We need to go into what I believe through marketing today, what works in office, what doesn't work, at least my one perspective. And you can reach me at it's pretty, pretty easy. It's my name, Dr. Rasner, D-R-R-A-S-N-E-R at AOL. Yes, I'm still an AOL guy. I'm old fashioned, but you can reach me there. Um, I have, a, I alluded to, I don't know if I said it in this, we've been talking so much, but I have a, uh, in office extraction course that by the way, I had to go to the board of dentistry, the same board of dentistry, not the same people, but the same body in New Jersey and get approved to have you come from anywhere in the United States or Canada to my office and do live without a license here, live. Hands-on surgery under my—I only limit it to eight to ten people. Under me, tutoring you, telling you exactly what you need to do, is what next step. That's the only way to sink into this. And by the way, they're all orally sedated under my protocol, and I'll send that protocol to you. But you can't just jump on it. You got to do other things. If you ask me to send you the stuff, I'll send you the stuff. You can just say it like that. But as Naren said, you can get to know me too, because. I'll return your emails and I'll answer whatever. I don't have all the answers for sure. I don't, you know, I'd still take courses and read books and do everything you're doing. I'm just, I'm one of your colleagues is what I'm doing. And some people think I have stuff worth sharing. So that's why I'm here, but that's my uh, Dr. Rasner at AOL. That's my personal email and I'll send you whatever you want.
1: I also want to give some additional tips to people who are listening. Um, if you are in a hurry and you don't want to wait to listen, listen to all this additional nuggets from the doctor you can definitely also go to the website realizingthedream.com and i'm going to buy one of these a uh, couple of these like the art of the clothes. you have a you have a cd correct doctor on your website the realizingthedream.com yeah i have cd
0: live of me talking about the different subjects we've alluded to in this podcast i have um Couple books. I have a book called The Art of Getting Paid, meaning getting paid up front. The Art of the Close is case presentation. That's obviously the important one. I have a called the, the first book I ever wrote that has sold a lot. is called The Protocol Book, and that book is called the subtitles What to Do When, and it was born from me after 20 years of practice for two years, which is really hard to do with discipline. Stop what I was doing. Every time something happened in my office that I didn't know the answer to, you know, we didn't have a protocol. That's what five-star hotels have. They have protocols. If you go to a Four Seasons hotel, I assure you that every time they hand you a drink, it's not a big deal, but it's a protocol. It'll have a napkin underneath of it. Whether I don't know what that's for, but I'm saying that's the way they do business. Well, I did the same thing for my office You know, a hygiene patient's 20 minutes late, out of town. Your hygienist comes to you. Do you see them or not see them? Well, you see them in my world, by the way. And, you know, patient calls with a temporary out. How do you start your day? How do you close your day? Everything that happened um, to me for two years, I documented and I put it in a book. The book was for me, by the way,
1: because it was years
0: ago. I didn't sell it, but I turned it into a book called the Protocol Book, What to Do When, that, uh, yeah, you can get that as well. So just look on there. It's not why I came on here. You notice uh, Naren brought it up, not even me. I forgot to bring it up. Uh, they're good, and you can return any product you want. I give you if you don't think it's valuable. It hasn't been done very often, but I try to put across in this podcast and I'm just a real guy, and I still make my living doing what most of you do, and that's full time dentistry. I have yeah. some good ideas I think could help some of you.
1: I mean, running a $4 million practice, you know, four days a week, you know, I don't think there are too many people doing it. So I know, doctor, I know you're a humble guy, but I know you have a lot to teach. And you're teaching from the point of view of somebody walking in the shoes of the dentist, you know, not not from the point of view of, you know, somebody who doesn't do it day in and day out. So you understand the challenges, you understand the struggles. And I think one of the reasons you're successful is you just choose to see them differently. You know, you choose to not, find the because why you're not successful. You choose to find a way to do the right thing and be successful at the same time. So I think some people think to be successful, you, you have to kind of, you know, bend the rules and not do the right thing. And, uh, but the people who are extremely successful tell you, no, that's not true. You know, you can do the right thing and you must do the right thing and you can still do really well in life and in business.
0: Well, I agree with you. You know, one thing I can tell you about, the productivity I have in my practice of doing the month of the um, numbers that we do is there's not anything I'm not proud of in terms of the individual cases I recommend for patients because I know um, I'm not the guy that talks you into a veneer case or a cosmetic case if I don't think you're healthy enough. And I, I think if you do the right thing, the right thing would be comprehensive care examine approach. Maybe stage it if you can stage it for the patient. Whenever I can stage things, I do that, meaning doing part of it now. You can't always do that. And you know what else? We'll get into it another time, but I've always believed in giving back to my community. And we did so much in my community for so many years, meaning, I mean, big stuff, taking homeless shelters, children to a Walt Disney thing, uh, riding a bus with them and making sure they had a... Thanksgiving dinners and, and, uh, taking their kids to with Disney on ice that they would never do. And over and over, uh, uh, dances and proms for, um, the mentally challenged and, and things that I have done so much of that I actually, which I didn't even know existed, got a United States congressional award once about 20 years ago for all the civic duty we've done. And so I, it'd be pretty hard that you can, it's a lot, it sounds exhausting, but you know, you are who you are and, and you are what you plan to be. And I planned a lot of these things. We used to have meetings once a year dedicated to what are we going to do for the community this year. And um, it's a nice thing to do, it enriches your heart, not your pocketbook. And uh, I can tell you that looking back, that's what i'm most proud of i'm not i don't even think about the the number we don't have production goal charts in my office and uh no, i'll i'll leave it at that
1: i really really appreciate you dr asnan you're going to include all of these links and all of this information along with the podcast so people can easily access uh, your email address uh, your websites uh, we will also include uh, your personal website i mean for your practice so Check you out and kind of get to know you a little bit, and uh, I'm so grateful that you took the time to talk to our audience today and uh, share all of this wisdom and knowledge and experience, and especially your personal story. So I really, really appreciate you doing that. And, Great, Quite uh, welcome. And um, I look forward to talking to you more about this and helping helping our listeners. Uh, uh, yeah, success is not 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 hard. I mean, not 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 complicated. It's simple. Just, you know, sometimes people don't have the right maps and the right ways of thinking about it. And and they just keep going round and round. And I think hopefully your wisdom and your pain that you've gone through might, you know, hopefully can help a few others, you know. So hopefully they don't have to go through the pain and learn things the hard way, you know, that you have done for 30, 40 years. Skip the bad story, but stick to the (laughs) other stuff. And
0: you'll have an even greater success than I've been able to achieve. And I'm very thankful. I want you to know something. I don't lose one day, not even this moment right now in 2018 that I am so thankful to God and appreciative of where I stand right now, as opposed to where I was 30 some years ago, it never loses its impact on me and the fact that I could help and impact one of your listeners and, you know, I know there's a lot more for us to talk about is, Something that I appreciate i don 't consider this a burden at all it, This is a privilege, so thank you very much
1: yeah, I even thought of a name for our talks i 'm going to call it if you 're open with it uh, Master class with Dr. Steve Rasner because I do think you 're a master, and I think what you 're going to teach teach our listeners would be you know priceless well there 's more than
0: one dentist that have come up to me in my travels over the years that have said to me, that told me he 's retired. And these are a lot younger than I am. So, And they said, they said that they listened to me. So uh, I don't know if that'll happen to you, but if nothing else, you definitely, it positively works. How far you take it is gonna be individual up to you. And there's no magic to it, if you think about it. There's no magic to what I'm doing. It's just perseverance, no willing to give up, and sticking to things, because that's the hard thing. You don't wanna put systems in place that nobody subscribes to in your office 3 months later and sometimes that requires you to remind everybody what we need to get done that's all but we'll talk about all this i look forward to many more uh contributions to your uh growing podcast show and i appreciate you having me
1: today thank you dr i really appreciate it thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the growing dentist podcast show and i'm and and listening to the super amazing Dr. Steve Rasner today, and uh, hope to see you soon with Dr. Rasner. And um, if you like this podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. Also, um, you know, write a review if you like what you heard. Um, And you can also access it from iTunes, plus visit the website growingdentist.com. Have a wonderful day.